You're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. Well, today I want to uh, read actually from Psalm 19, verse 7, as we begin today. Psalm 19, verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Well, every day I wage a battle before breakfast. It's a psychological battle, a great battle of the will, and it's this. Will I read my Bible and pray? Will I spend time with God today? Every day I wake up, make a coffee, sit down at my desk and run through the options. I could just check my phone, check Facebook, go on the net. I could make a head start on my work, get a bunch of stuff done before breakfast, or I could spend time with God. I know that that last thing is the best option, but often it's the last thing I want to do. And every day almost, it feels like a struggle to do this. Every day I want to do something else. Every day I try to find some excuse. And so I have to struggle and resist that and resolve to do it. Now, I suspect that I'm not actually alone in this. In fact, I've got the stats to bear this out. Uh, In terms of Bible reading, a Lifeway research study done in 2019 found that only one third of people who regularly attend church read the Bible every day. Uh, one in four read it a few times a week, and one in eight say they rarely or never read the Bible. It's among people who go to church regularly. Uh, when it comes to prayer, I found a study done by Crossway Publishing, one of the largest Christian publishing houses. They surveyed 14,000 people, asking them to rate their prayer life. 1% gave themselves a 10, and then they needed to repent. Uh, From there, things went south pretty quickly. 13% gave themselves a middling six. 72% gave themselves less than that. Why is it so hard for us to spend time with God? We're in the second week of our series, Enjoying God, thinking about how we are called to enjoy God. We're invited to enjoy God, that the chief end or purpose of humanity is to glorify God and enjoy Him. We're called not just to obey Him, but to love Him, because this is a God who can be enjoyed, a God who is lovable. Last week, we thought about how we can do this through our gifts James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. And so we have all of these wonderful ways that we can enjoy God through what he gives us. And this week, I want us to think about how we can enjoy God in our private worship through reading the Bible and praying. If you think about it, we have this relationship with God, our creator, and these are the means by which we relate. These are the instruments, the tools for us to relate to him. God speaks to us 
through his word, the Bible, and we get to speak to him through our prayers. This is how we do this. And and you would think that we would see the wonder and the beauty of this. I mean, we're the people who love God, right? That's what we'd say. And yet these tools, these instruments of relationships are things that we often uh, don't prioritise. We don't enjoy as much as you'd think that we would. So if we're going to enjoy God, surely we need to enjoy reading the Bible and praying. So today I wanted to explore, first of all, why we don't enjoy these things and then try to suggest some ways in which we can. First of all, what, what, what stops us from enjoying this? Why, why don't we? The first thing is we're too busy. Like It's boring and it's obvious, but it's true. Now, when we wake up, the world just rushes at us. Even as I'm sitting on the bed trying to get myself out of bed, I'm already thinking about what's happening. Oh, what day is it? No, no, it's Tuesday. Okay, meeting day. These are the meetings I've got. I'm walking down the stairs. I'm already thinking of those meetings. I'm brewing the coffee and I'm planning my day out. Oh, I'd love to do this by breakfast and do that by lunch. And if I could do this by dinner, that'd be fantastic. And yes, I did notice that my day is defined by meals. (laughs) And already there's this urgency stirring within me, a sense of motivation. I've got to get those emails done. I've got to work on this. I've got a, an energy now, that, and it already feels like reading the Bible and praying would be an interruption. I've already started my day in my mind and even in my heart almost, and anything now just feels like it's going to slow me down. And so I tell myself, oh, I'll just get back to it. After I've done the, run the kids to school, then I'll go and read my Bible or something like that. Or, or maybe in the middle of the day there'll be a quiet moment and I can do it or perhaps in the evening I'll be able to do it. And I keep putting it off and putting it off until uh, after work and I go to bed or whatever, you know, and I fall asleep praying perhaps and wake up at 2 a.m. Oh, I'm in. You know, like it's everything conspires in my life to squeeze God out of my day. I'm too busy to take the time to enjoy God. Second thing is it's actually... Boring, often. That's what it feels like. Let's be frank here. One of the reasons that we don't read the Bible and pray more is that we don't actually enjoy it as much as other things that we could do. I've got this great big library in my house. I've got lots of books about cricket and sport. I've got Ikea cubes full of soccer magazines. I've got history books and books about politics because, as they say, politics is rock and roll for nerds, and I'm definitely a nerd. Perhaps most of all, though, I have books about God. I've got Bibles in maybe five or ten different translations. I've got Bible commentaries. I've got theology books. I've got devotional books. I've even got Bible comic books for the kids. So I've got lots of reading options. And if I wanted to read some of these things, if I wanted to read something profitable, I've got plenty of choices. I know what I could read, but I know what I often do read. I want to read about sport. I want to read Empire Magazine's top 100 movies of all time. I want to read 25 Reasons Why Beards Change Everything. Number 13 will blow you away. Whatever it is, there's always something else that I want to read, to experience, because I enjoy those things more. I mean, let's not be kind of too pious about it. That's the reality. We enjoy these things more. Now, it's not wrong for us to enjoy those things, but it does say something, surely, 
that these are the things that we enjoy more than God. So thirdly, there's another reason. I think it's that it's a battle, a spiritual battle. You see, one of the reasons why we don't read our Bible and we don't pray is that the devil is actually trying to stop us from doing those things. If reading the Bible is hearing from God and praying is speaking to God, if, if these are the things that sustain our relationship with God, then it would make sense that the devil would try to interrupt that, try to stop those things. He's out to destroy faith and fellowship with God. John 10.10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. 1 Peter 5, the devil is our adversary who prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. He knows, he has seen through thousands of generations that when humans have fellowship with God, they grow closer to him. And so he will seek to move us further and further away from God. He wants to keep us from that. And so he'll distract us give us lots of other things that we might want to do. He'll discourage us, make us feel like we can't approach God, that we, we're not worthy of praying perhaps. Or he'll distort what God's word says. You think back to the Garden of Eden right at the start. He's distorting what God has said. Did God really say that? Maybe he said this instead. Or he'll make us doubt the truth or the power or the relevance of what we read. And so there are these forces outside us that are seeking to stop us from spending time with God. But they wouldn't work unless there were forces within us as well. I actually think these are the most significant. The devil seeks to draw us away from God, but he succeeds only because there is something driving us away from God as well, something from within. There's something within us that makes us pull away that makes us wary of reading God's word, unwilling to pray to him. I think it's partly because God's word is so confronting and convicting. Hebrews 4 verse 12, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. God's word is living and it's active and it's piercing and it's dividing. It cuts through us. I mean, how many times have you read something and you think, oh, if only I hadn't heard that, if only I hadn't read that. That's going to mess up my whole day thinking about that. God convicting us makes us aware of God's holiness and our unholiness. And then when we pray, that's only just extended. When we pray and we, we come before, we recognise what we're doing. If you, if you have the, just the slightest understanding of prayer as speaking to a holy God, then there's times where you're overwhelmed by that. It's not comfortable. It's not comfortable having God's word open us up. It's not comfortable confessing our sin or wrestling with repentance. It's not comfortable wondering if God will accept us. And so we run away from that. That's actually easier for us to do. We don't worship God because we don't enjoy God. We don't enjoy God because we don't actually feel comfortable being close to him. It's a bit of a problem, isn't it? 
We were made to glorify and enjoy God, to, to relate to him. Reading the Bible and praying is, is critical to that. We have the means, these are the instruments for our relationship with him, and yet, and yet we don't use them as we ought. We're too busy, we're bored, or there is this great battle. So what do we do? Well, I want to suggest three solutions to those three problems. The first thing is, it's a battle, so fight. And you fight by surrendering to God and resisting the devil. We surrender to God by accepting his verdict on us and embracing his forgiveness. The word of God is living and active. We are naked and exposed to him, to whom we must give an account. But the one who exposes us also wants to clothe us and to protect us. And he does that through speaking to us in his word. God's word reveals our sin, absolutely. But it also reveals our saviour, Jesus Christ. John 5.39, all the scriptures bear witness about him, the one who lived a perfect life, died on the cross for us, the one in whom there is forgiveness and hope and life and joy, the one who makes it possible for us to enjoy God and to come to him. Now, the devil wants to distract you and keep you away from all of that, so you have to resist that. You have to speak into that and allow God to show you his grace. So when you feel your guilt, God wants you to know his grace. Romans 3.20, by works of the law, no human being will be justified in God's sight since through the law comes knowledge of sin. Every time you read the Bible with an open heart, you'll see how you fall short of God. Now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. There is no distinction. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's what you feel when you read the Bible. But all are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation or a payment by his blood to be received by faith. God is desperate for you to know this. Every time you feel your sin, he wants you to see he's a saviour that he has sent. He wants you to know what Jesus has done. The devil is desperate to keep you away from that. So you have to resist that and step in and experience God's goodness. Romans 8 verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God wants you to read that when you're feeling that condemnation. He wants to remind you that there's no condemnation if you are in Christ. And we are embraced, we're adopted as his children. Galatians 4.6, because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Abba is a word that basically means dad. God wants you to know that you can approach him just like that. Jesus has accomplished that for you. Jesus has accomplished adoption. You are a child of God. God wants you to know this and to remember this. He wants to remind you every day. The devil's desperate to take you away from that. 
don't let him. It's a battle, so fight. Surrender to God's conviction and embrace his grace. Secondly, if it's boring, we need to remember and rediscover the wonder of what we are doing. To just, just think about it every day, what you're actually doing when you read the Bible and when you pray. You are hearing from God, the one who made you, the one who made all things, the God who is almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-sovereign, He is speaking to you. His word is living and active. Just as it was living and active when it was written down, it's living and active when you're sitting in your your house, 7.52 a.m. or whatever it is, it's living and it's active. God wants to do something in that moment. In your morning, God has a plan. And when you read the Bible, he wants to get to work. One of the passages I find really helpful to to remind me of this is 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 and 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. All scripture is breathed out by God. Paul's using a Greek word here, uh, which basically means that God breathes into Scripture. It's the same word uh, that is described as as God breathes into the world. He, He creates stuff. He does stuff. When God speaks into something, things happen. Something dramatic happens. Psalm 33 verse 6, by the word of the Lord where the heavens were made and by the breath of his mouth all their host. God created everything around us, created the universe by the breath of his mouth. And now when he speaks through the word, When you're sitting at your home, he's speaking into your life. He's wanting something to happen. And we see what he wants to do here. First of all, he wants to to teach you. He wants to train you and help you to understand something. He wants to reprove you. See, a true friend will reprove you when something's going wrong. So think about it. When when you're reading, what is God trying to correct, uh, trying to uh, challenge here? Whenever he convicts, it's only because he wants to save you from a mistake. So what's he trying to reprove here? What is he trying to correct? Is there something off with my theology? It's a little bit like when you launch a space shuttle or something. If you just get it at one little angle wrong, it just it doesn't seem like much at the start. But the further you go, the further off track you go. So what is God trying to... Uh, and help you to understand here. How is he trying to recalibrate your thinking? What is he trying to correct? And then wonderfully, we have this idea that God is training us and equipping us and completing us through his word. What a beautiful picture. Colossians 3 verse 10, we are being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. God has this plan to reform us and recreate us in the image of God. We are made in his likeness. And through Christ, we become like that again, gradually, progressively. Each time you read the Bible, God is trying to make you more like what you were made to be. He's trying to complete you until the day we're told where we see him face to face and we're perfected because we see him as he is. That's what's happening when you read the Bible. Tomorrow morning, 
when you open it up. Ask God, what are you trying to do in this moment? How will this help me grow? Maybe you have those little headings for yourself. What are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to reprove? What are you trying to correct? How are you trying to train me? This is God's word. And it can do something. It's not boring. It's a source of wonder. Colossians 3 verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. What a beautiful picture. Those words that God places in our hearts, let them dwell in you richly. It's producing fruit. Something I've just tried to start doing at the moment is I I try to write down a phrase or a verse each time I read. Something that I can stay, it can stay with me. I can pray over it perhaps. I'm trying to let God's word dwell in me richly. Uh, Matthew 4, Jesus says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He's likening God's word to food, right? We need food every day to sustain us. We need the word of God to sustain us. It's as simple as that. We, we won't know how to live. Our lives will be as chaotic as the world that we see around us. But in God's word, we have truth. I've been thinking about that just the last few days. I'm so frustrated by everything that I see around me on the news, on every side of politics. There's just so much that's wrong. Hypocrisy, blindness. And even worse, it's in me too. I can't just see it judging every other part of politics. I have to see it within myself as well. And we're in this age that's saying it's the post-truth age where truth is something that's mutable, it's changeable, it's, it's defined by your emotions rather than by what's actually there. And how do we even know what happens around us anymore? Well, thankfully, wonderfully, we have the truth of God. We don't know what else is happening out there, but we can know that when we read the Bible, when we open that up, then we have truth, identifiable. Solid, perfect, unchanging truth that can shape us, that God can use to complete us. That's the wonder of what we get to do when we read God's Word. And then think about the wonder and the privilege of speaking to God. Uh, Sometimes this comes to me in a very real way. I'll be walking along praying and I'm just like, hang on, like I'm actually praying to God, like the one true God. I mean, if I was invited to speak to the Prime Minister, I'd be greatly honoured, mate. I'd be honoured to speak to someone from Neighbours. But I actually get to speak to the God of the whole universe. Isn't that amazing? What a privilege. And what an opportunity. You see, God says that when I'm worried or anxious, I should come and speak to him. Philippians 4, the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He's saying, every time you're anxious, just come and talk to me about it and I'll help you. What a wonderful thing. When I'm confused or I'm unsure, when I need wisdom, God says, come and ask me for it. I'll give it to you, James 1. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. When I'm troubled, when I'm sad, when I'm 
burdened. God says, tell me about it. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, Jesus, come to me all who labour and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. When I think about everything around me, God says, well, just pray to me to change that. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And when I feel convicted of the sin within me, he invites me to confess and to find freedom. Psalm 32, 5, I acknowledge my sin to you and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Timothy Keller says, prayer is how God gives us so many of the unimaginable things he has for us. It is the way we know God, the way we finally treat God as God. Prayer is simply the key to everything we need to do and be in life. Prayer is how we grab all of God's grace for us, how we come to know him, how we come to enjoy him. Throughout history, God's people have often spoken of things like Bible reading and prayer as the means of grace, the way God gives us grace. The source is God and it flows into our life when we read the Bible and when we pray, when he speaks to us and we speak to him. So let's use the means of grace. Something dramatic, something dynamic, something wonderful is happening every time we do these things. Thirdly and finally, we're busy, so we need to be disciplined. We just need to do it. It's never going to be easy. So we just need to do it. And sometimes I'm kind of nervous about just saying, oh, I'd be disciplined. You know, shouldn't it, if we just want to enjoy God, shouldn't it just be easy? And yet by the same token, we know that discipline is often necessary in life. It's like going to the gym. You might not want to do it, but you'll never regret going. You need that discipline. I mean, as you can see from me, I clearly don't have that discipline for the gym. I once had a membership for about a year, which I didn't use. <laughs> but I do try to be disciplined in my Bible reading and prayer. You see, it's actually a loving thing to be disciplined. Like if you're in a marriage with your spouse and you're committed to them, you need to be disciplined sometimes to feed and strengthen that relationship. It's a loving thing to be disciplined. And I think our schedules make this a necessity. There's so much going on in our lives, jobs and families and relationships, commitments and hobbies and plans, things to do, people to see, and lots of it is good stuff. God wants us to work. God wants us to look after our families. God even wants us to rest. But he also wants us to devote our time to him because that actually shapes everything else as well. See, we're so busy doing all of these things, but how do we know that we're doing the right things, the best things for us? They might be good things, but are they the best thing for us to be doing in this moment? And how do we know that we're doing them well? for his glory? How do we understand and make the right decisions? So often we busy ourselves with all of these things, but actually we're not efficient, we're not truly productive, we're not doing what God is actually wanting us to do. So when we discipline ourselves to seek God, then he shapes everything that follows. I love the story of George Mueller. Um, George Mueller was a, a very busy man, 
He cared for 10,000 orphans during his lifetime. I don't think in his own house. <laughs> but he established 117 schools offering Christian education to more than 120,000 children. Now, this was an extraordinary man in a time where uh, this kind of stuff just was never done. I think it's really telling that he always prioritised spending time with God. And what I love is how he thought about it. He says this, The first great and primary business to which I attend to, uh, I ought to attend every day was to have my soul happy in the Lord. Happy in the Lord. The first thing to be concerned about was not how much I might serve the Lord, how I might glorify the Lord, but how I might get my soul into a happy state to ensure that everything he did would be done in the right spirit. So he knew there was lots of things that he could do. He could plan them all out. And they were good things. But what he needed to do first was to enjoy God, to understand and remind himself of God's heart so that he would serve God in the right spirit. So let's be disciplined and know that through that, if we're seeking God, Everything else will follow. If I can give you one last suggestion, it would be this. Read a psalm every day. That's something I've did, started doing about 18 months ago and it's just been amazing. For a start, it's very achievable. They're normally very brief. So you can slot them in even if you don't have much time. They're also very accessible. You don't have to have lots of experience reading the Bible you don't have to know everything about the Bible's geography or you don't have to understand prophecy or even much theology. It's very instinctive. And what I love about it is they're God's words to you, but they're written in a way generally where we're also praying through the Psalms. So God is giving you the words even to pray to him. And so as you read, you can also pray. You can be doing both of these things together and they're incredibly intimate shaping us and helping us to understand God's character and his invitation to us. So seek it out. It's the easiest way for us to pursue him, to be trained in who he is, and even more, to just enjoy him for who he is. So as we finish, why don't I pray through one of those psalms? Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the extraordinary privileges and promise that we have. You've given us life and now you offer us new life through Jesus. You invite us to enjoy you and we enjoy it as we study your truth, as we let you speak to us and then as we respond in our prayers. Lord, your law is perfect. Revive our soul. Your testimony is sure, making wise the simple. We need your wisdom in this moment. In a world of so much chaos, give us your clarity. Your precepts are right, rejoicing the heart. May we rejoice and see the wonder of what you're saying to us every time we read your word. Your commandment is pure, enlightening us. Help us, give us eyes that see your truth and know how to live. It says elsewhere in the Psalms that your word is a light to our feet and a, a lamp to our path. Give us the, the wisdom to know how to live through your truth. Give us a fear of you that endures. Lord, may we prize your truth as more precious to us than gold, more sweet to us than honey. 
thank you that by your words, we can be trained, we can be corrected, we can be reproved, we can be taught, we can be equipped and completed. May we have this vivid relationship with you, you speaking to us, us speaking to you. And so may we enjoy you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.